1: Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play, powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1 800 858 858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. And I'll tell you what, it is good to
0: have footy back. It is not much better than having footy back. It brings a bit
1: of structure to our week. You've enjoyed your Thursday, Friday so far. It's
0: been very, very good and I'm uh, looking forward to the rest of the weekend because, I don't know, it just sort of brings structure to, I reckon, everyday people's life. It just... Well, I didn't even know it was Wednesday or Saturday for the past six or what, <laughs> three months. So, no, it's good to... Thursday throws me out a bit. I reckon throw Thursday out, but get rid of that because that's not the start of the weekend for most. But keep it to Friday. But its well, uh, it's been good to be... been great to be uh, back having a quiet Jamison watching the footy with a couple of mates.
1: Well, not everyone... Uh you know, fishes for work and, and doesn't really have a week a weekday. You're just living a weekend. Not many people are back at work yet, so they can't kind take... Of, like,
0: uh, most office workers are still at home, which is great. Do you reckon it's going to change the uh, future of how people are going to work now? As in, it's going to make a lot of people more work from home rather than in offices?
1: Oh, I think there's no doubt about that. Yeah. I think we've seen the... You know, I think everyone now is familiar with Zoom. <laughs> And everyone that wants to have a beer with someone is familiar with house party. Um, <laughs> no doubt, it's, technology is changing the way that we, we interact and we work. And um, Yeah, I think we're, more working from home and dif- at different stages can be a really good thing. I reckon I could nearly work from home.
0: If I get a big enough fish tank at home, drinking car will let me have the backyard set up. It's a pool with just you different... Want- just work my whiting in one corner, truck a
1: bit of dirty water... You, you might lose you might lose Finn into that uh, fish. Tank. <laughs> hey, you can follow us and join in the conversation at Real Adventures on our Instagram and Facebook sites. Now, Redmond, I don't know if you noticed. I'm sure you wouldn't have actually, just trolling through sort of social media yesterday, and it came across my desk. Uh, the greatest of all time, or the second greatest of all time, in my opinion, Michael Jordan. I'm a LeBron, yeah, here uh, we go. unashamed LeBron fan. But the goat, Michael Jordan, lands a two 200- hundred. Kilo, Marlon, did he really? He did. Well,
0: I didn't, I didn't know that, but I did read that he's going to be entering some fishing tournament valued
1: up. I think it was three million dollars. So, well, he loves a punt. Do you like recal- Michael recal- Jordan, you don't say. <laughs> and that was four. That was four hundred um, and forty odd pounds in the old scale. Obviously, that's what the uh, how they measure it in the states. Um, but I thought that was. Pretty interesting. Right, the well, goat just landing one of the uh, the great marlins in North Carolina. Well, I've got a challenge for
0: you now. You reckon you're pretty top notch in this country? Yeah, you, know, you, no. you do. Don't shake your head. Here's the <laughs> challenge to really see. Come on,
1: we'll this- see if you can get the man no. himself on Real Adventures next week. <laughs> Look, I'm, I don't think we're going to get his yeah, anus, but this was at the uh, the Big Rock Blue Marlin Tournament. So it's an event that's held uh, annually off the coast of Moorhead City, North Carolina. Tracks anglers from all over the world, and you spoke about it. This was the tournament, that um, there is $3.3 million overall purse, so the prize pool. Um, Jordan's boat came in fifth place with the 450-pound uh, blue marlin. What can he do? <laughs> can't even argue with it. Well, oh, well, he's on the boat. I'm not sure he, he was exactly you know, the one behind the reel, but um, it's great to see fishing... Tournaments around the world starting to to get back into full swing and to open up again and I think we're definitely seeing that around the country that there's there's um you know still obviously tight border security, but there's a relaxing with people being able to do things, and hopefully you know by the you know the back end of the year we're really going to start to see. Whether it's fishing tournaments open back up, we obviously haven't had um, boat shows right around the country this year. So whether we'll, we'll see there are well, there are plans
0: for the boat show in the future. There's going to be a online. I'll, I'll break it here. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but there's a virtual yeah virtual boat show coming. Uh, hopefully in the next. I think it's end mid to, mid to end July. I'm pretty sure it's around the 20th. I'm pretty. So stay tuned for that. So how will
1: that work? If I'm assuming your your dealers will just organise a a stand. Yep in an
0: animated sort of way. So it's all done animated. You come into the cyber world and I'd, I'm only saying this in discussions with uh, Craig because Soul Guys has got a bit of a part of it and basically you can go anywhere you want into a stand in this virtual reality world and you can have discussions with the dealers or whoever, for example, Real Brand might be on down there and you can have discussions with them. I'm pretty sure there's 10 people per person that can get into a stand at once and you're not actually in the stand but physically, but you're on the computer and you can discuss uh, with dealers and boat dealers or Real Brand or Salt Guy, whatever you want to do. they are also got an auditorium there which is going to have numerous stage talks. I know that I've got stage talks on there. I think three three or possibly four stage talks throughout the weekend uh, through the auditorium. So it's going to be... Testing because it's very it's been very successful in the states, hence why this has come off the back of that. So, depending on what happens with with this one, we might see it more in the future because it might save a lot of cost. Because I know stands aren't, oh, Geelong Marine World for instance, and I say this, they they get a massive stand at the boat show, they're fifty 60 grand, oh, aren't plus they? Yeah, yeah, plus like it's a lot of money. You have got to sell a lot of boats just
1: to break even, and you're obviously not, trying to brand awareness and all that sort of thing, and
0: not just that as well. You've got to get the boats there. You've got to have your whole team for back to practically a whole week just not doing their work. It's towing boats to Melbourne from July. And I'm just using that as an example because yeah. I've got a good friend there that yep. works there and I know how it works. So towing back and forth, your mechanics are going, your mechanics are towing boats just to purely to the boat show. Then they've got to get them back afterwards, plus accommodation for all your staff, paying your staff there. It's 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 probably a million dollar thing before people turn over. You've probably got to sell a million dollar boats at some stands, some less, some more to actually have a successful turnover. So I don't know, this might be the way to go if it does work, especially with the live talks. And people say that the fishing isn't, Big enough these days at the boat show, and if they can, what they're trying to do is bring fishing back into it as well. So Salt Guide, we're going to be there as well, uh, hopefully to draw the fishing car back. I know there'll be certain fishing stands there too, selling specific gear. So, well, the reason
1: behind the the fishing not being there um, is is pretty simple because of how expensive it is for the stands. You've got to sell a lot of rods and reels, like yeah, spot on. You can make your money back if you sell a few boats, um, but you're really you know, you're know, you scraping the bottom of the barrel if you're just selling rods and reels. So that's why it can be difficult. Speaking of rods and reels, let's get into it. Your week in fishing, Aaron. Yeah, we so- didn't speak too much fishing last weekend in terms of reports um, and predicting what was going to be the week ahead because of the, the discussions we were having around southern bluefin tuna and where all that sits. Um, talk us through your week and, and what you would be planning to go into next week with. So last week, or uh, well the week just gone I should say,
0: it was uh, we had that full moon on the Saturday and it made things a little bit harder for anglers around Port Phillip Bay due to the tides and people struggled on the whiting throughout the day but fishing earlier in the morning and late in the evening was better. The offshore fisheries very well. They found a new patch of tuna. Uh, I'll actually give it to Gwayne and Chris Castle. I'm going to give it to them. They, they pretty much found a really good patch of tuna outside of Cape Shank there.
1: Well, you're going to give it to them when they did all the work. But they did all well, obviously.
0: I haven't been there yet. Too far away for me. But uh, they found a nice patch of tuna. But these tuna were different to the ones that we had found uh, earlier in the year before COVID, Pat. These fish, quite small. So you're looking under 10 kilo. So they were very jelly beans, as they call them. So they're quite small tuna, and they were quite hard to get. Uh, Gwayne was running these new prototypes for Froggy's Offshore, and they're a new. Uh, they're called dragsters. They're a new diver, and they supposedly hold their uh, hold their trolling speed right. So this he was using the smaller model, smaller model, and I think it holds their trolling speed up to twelve to fifteen knots. So what these fish were doing. They were coming up on the surface, and the birds, so you'd see the birds lingering in the air and getting tighter and tighter, and when I say birds, there were probably five to ten gannet, uh, sorry, turns, so not your traditional gannets diving into your bait balls, and not the mutton birds that were on the tuna all the whole summer, basically just gone. So the, it was hard to, hard to get close to the fish, so the bird, the fish would come up, whack the surface, push the bait up, and the birds come down, and then you'd get about, oh, I'm going to go <clears throat> 20 seconds of probably having a red-hot crack of when they were up. So Gwaine did really well. I know Casso got a couple of fish, but Gwaine ended up with, I think, his bag limit. might have let go a couple as well. So they were finicky fish, and he reckons these drags says he could move faster in between the fish. So instead of sitting there and trolling back up to those fish at six knots, he could push them up to double the speed really and, nice. and, yeah, quite yeah. get to these schools. And that was the key to him getting more fish than other people on the day, from what he's told me. So,
1: Well, you, you often speak about rather than having your lures in the entire time. Yeah. Have them out so you can move around, cover distances quickly, and then get onto the fish. And that's
0: why I've been casting to them a lot this year, because it's been a lot of that sort of play. The tuna have been uh, coming up at times, but not holding up. So I get to the school and stay off them, let them swim to us, and cast to them, rather than trawling to them and pushing them down. And we spoke about this a lot when the tuna outside the Port Phillip Bay Heads, just because it was such a big topic. and. Like I said before, getting in front of them, trying to outsmart the fish, working which way they were going, they were much easier to tell uh, before COVID because all the mud and birds, you could see them moving into motion towards where the fish were. Where these turns are sitting on top, and they and they just come down and pick, bang 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 bang, and they're not diving
1: hard, but. Practicing their social distancing, are they?
0: The birds definitely weren't practicing because they were hitting the same bit of bait on the head when they were hitting the water. But no, well, it's good to see the tuna fishery there as well, which is Absolutely. great. Uh, uh, like I said, it's not that common; wasn't that common in the past. Now we're starting to see quite. I've caught tuna out there for a long time, but it's starting to become a- whether it's more anglers targeting them or whatever it is. We're definitely starting to see more tuna uh, coming along the coast down. Uh, what I call it, Port Phillip Bay Heads to the western entrance and down towards Lake. So it's a good to see, and hopefully it keeps to, keeps growing from here. But back to the bay, like I said, whiting were tough with the nut. They were there if you did the right things. Outside Port Phillip Bay Heads, right down to Apollo Bay and to right down through to uh, Portland, the bottom fishing, so your snapper, your nanogai, your school sharks and gummy sharks, you couldn't go wrong. They fish so well on the back of that moon. It's uh, been cold, but the weather's been pretty damn good. The weather's been as good as you could get it, yeah. other than the cold. And it is cold, but it's the sun's been out. It's been some seriously light winds. That long weekend, I don't reckon the wind got above eight knots I don't reckon. So people anglers have had the chance to get out in some seriously nice weather. If you're not fishing between the hours of 6 and 8 a.m. or 6 and 8:30 a.m. and between four and dark, it's actually not that cold out there. It's just that that lunchtime period's quite nice. Yep. So if you and I'm it is very cold. It's hard to get motivated to go early. And the only time I'm sort of going early is if I'm heading offshore and putting baits out and kicking back in the cabin with the sun on the clears or on the hard top, it's quite nice sitting in the cabin to get a bit cosy. But if you're out whiting fishing with frozen squid very early in the morning, it can be a bit harder. And I can see why people don't fish through these winter months because it is hard to get motivated. Yep. But in saying that, I've never seen more people on the bay in my life than what I've seen in the past since COVID, even over the long weekend, we get people down here. uh, When I say down here, down the bottom end of Port Phillip Bay, but people aren't going to Bali. They're not going to Queensland. They're not doing these trips now that they'd normally do to escape the winter weather. They're fishing Port Phillip Bay because we can't travel and it's great to see. And, I'll tell you what, Patrick, you could save some money if you wanted to go, uh, if you want to travel from St. Lins to Queenscliff. Like I said the other week, just be- just walk from boat to boat with the amount of boats that are out at the moment.
1: Now, I promised uh, my Geelong Cats physio, Mark Young, during the week, Aaron, that we would do this week on Real Adventures a segment around catching squid. And from the absolute novice, <laughs> which Mark is, because his young boys, they want to catch a squid. Now, they don't have a boat, so they're fishing off. Piers and jetties around the region. Yep. What do they need from zero knowledge to just the basic gear in order to catch squid? Because I said to Mark, it's not, you don't just go into Kmart and find the cheapest squid jig you possibly can. The weight is important. But can you talk through for the absolute novice, which Mark is, what you need in order to take your kids down to the, the pier and catch a feed of squid? What time to go? Um, You know, balancing that with the crowds at the moment is also difficult because of the social distancing, which we all must respect. Um, But if you want to take your family down, the do's and don'ts. So first thing I would do is I would spend a little bit of money on squid jigs. Now, it sounds
0: bad because I'm always trying to save you a dollar, but it's one thing that I I think you need to spend money on due to the sinking factor of a squid jig. If you buy on eBay and you get 12 jigs for 20 bucks, it's probably not going to be the ideal jigs. They're not going to sink, or they're going to sink too far. So I'd be headed whether it's a Shimano or a major craft, a major craft, whatever it is. Whether it's Zuri Yuzuri, whatever it is, I'd be spending between twenty and twenty-five bucks or more on a squid jig. Nothing less than probably eighteen or twenty bucks. Yeah. I wouldn't be just because they work. And what I mean by they work, they work. If you will get him right into your land base, not for your novice, just you. I would spend money on a good land-based rod, but they're going to be pricey, so we're going to stay away from that. But if you are wanting to do it seriously, it's well worth getting a casting rod to get your rod out further into the weed beds because they do cast an extra 30 metres further than what a normal
1: standard uh $100 Kmart rod would, would do, to give you an example. Which people don't think about because when there's a lot of people fishing off jetties, most are only going that short range yep. because they haven't spent the extra dollars, which is fine. But if you don't want that extra length to fish in the beds where no one has or most don't, yep. that's when you'll access squid that others can't.
0: Well, I run the Samurai Eggie and I think, to be honest with you, I think it's about seven dollars or $800 eggy rod. If off, for, and I'm going to get in trouble here off froglies because <laughs> they're going to be too happy what I've got to say. For a boat angler, you don't need it. Because you're on the spot, to be honest with you, you would be 100% land, uh, so 100 locals using hand lines, Pat, because that's just what they use. They use hand lines. If I was to fish on land-based, I'd be I'd be going out and spending the money on these rods because you need them. They work so well with you. Casting your taper of the rod and the way they load up when you're casting far distances, you need this. Uh, Look, you, depending on where, where you live and where you're going, uh, a couple of good pay places just locally around Port Phillip Bay Heads is you've got the St. Leonard's Jetty. You've got Queenscliff Harbour, very protected and safe for kids. You've got the Clifton Springs Jetty now, which has been extended another 30 metres a little while ago. You've also got around the other side, Sorrento, Rye Piers, right all the way up to Mount Martha through there. I'd be concentrating those areas this time of the year, uh, and I'd be targeting them, if possible, first light or sunset. Is going to be your best chance on catching squid your best chance during the day is going to be trying to time it around a tide change so say for example a tide at around 11 o'clock i'd be getting there at 10 and fishing till 12. so i'd be fishing those two hours either side of the tide change and the reason for that is sometimes in tidal areas for example queenscliff harbour if you're fishing into the main channel you will not be able to run a squid jig in there during the middle of the tide you're just not going to be able to but if you get there on those hour of each tide I would be you'd, your jig will sit nicely and drift either one way with the current, and then when you hit the slack water, it's going to stop, and then it will go other way with the current. So I'd be running your tides as your most important factor or your sunrise or your sunset if you wanted to catch. Have a variety of jigs, and what I mean by this, if you're fishing around the Queenscliff Harbour in the moorings, you want a 2.5 jig. You don't want a 3.5. But if you're fishing off Portsea Pier and the tide is going that little bit stronger, you probably want a 3 or a 3.5 to get it down to the bottom. So depending on where you're going, I'd have a couple of 2.5s, a couple of 3s, and a couple of 3.5s. And as I've always said, there's no way I can tell you when to run what size jig. You need to go there and work it out. And how you work it out, if you're hitting the bottom, it's too heavy. If you can see it floating, it's it's uh, it's not sinking enough. So be balanced with where you have your jigs through the water column, and you're going to catch plenty more squid.
1: We have a huge episode of Real Adventures coming your way this morning. Plenty more after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for The Social Club where we take your questions from social media. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot it through to our Facebook and Instagram pages at Real Adventures Show. Redmond, these are directed at you this morning. They're all based around fishing, but the first one is from Tim. What jacket do you use in the winter months, Aaron? It's bloody freezing at the moment. Cheers, Tim. Tim,
0: if you log into your uh, iTunes and if you head to our podcast, I actually did a review on Axis life jackets. Uh, fantastic jacket as well and what I mean by that is if you listen to the review and you can listen to all of our shows on iTunes through via the podcast and I cover in depth what I wear during uh, the winter months and summer months. At the moment I'm wearing the Axis life jacket because what it is it's a ma- it's a massive red pilot jacket it goes on, it's very very warm, nice coat inside but it's also got an inbuilt life jacket into it too which is uh, very handy when you're fishing by yourself or if you're crossing the Port Bay head to an area where you need to have a jacket on so that's what I'm wearing at the moment, it's also not a bad option, Pat, if you're fishing at land-based off a jetty, for example, to wear a life jacket as well. So if you're on rocks or off a pier and you're not comfortable, you've got a young child with you or someone you don't trust around the pier's edge as 100%, don't be afraid to get them an access life jacket. You've also got the Stormline gear, fantastic gear, Stormline. They have a massive range of wet weather gear as well as warm clothing gear. And the reason I say this gear is because every Commercial bloke I know and I've seen on social media from, I think it's Lobster Men Australia, Patrick, right through to the deadliest catch. They all wear the Stormline gear. So it's it's a fantastic range of gear. So log on to their website, check it out, and grab yourself some uh, wet weather gear or some warm gear uh, for the winter.
1: Nice work. Aaron, this is from Aaron. <laughs> Aaron, I've been fishing offshore of late, and you always speak about using Burley. Um, when it's appropriate, do you use a weighted burley bucket or not? I've got a cheap plastic one. Right, oh, fishing offshore. So time and place
0: of where you need to burly, like like you said, Aaron. It's weird talking about Aaron. But uh <laughs> <coughs> um, Thought I'd throw you. so uh, basically targeting Port Phillip Bay gummy sharks in, in Port Phillip Bay, I don't burly. And it's the same for offshore for gummy sharks, I don't burly. But when I say I don't burly is I'm not burleying in the bottom. But if I'm chasing gummy sharks, especially through the summer months, I always have a surface burly out. The reason for that is I'm not actually trying to influence the gummy shark bite. I'm trying to influence a pelagic shark. So your mako shark, your thresher shark, and I'll always have a bait out the back. If I am to burly offshore on the bottom, it's quite often for snapper. Yes, the plastic cage will work on the surface. So for example, if you're trying to attract slimies, but it's not that good. I'd be definitely spending 40, 50 bucks and buying a lead burly cage. Very important, especially when you're fishing tidal areas of Port Phillip Bay, but also you can drop it down to 40 meters if you're chasing the snapper and have pillies in there and give it a shake with your pallets and your pillies and you're gonna catch some snapper and hold them at your boat for a longer period of time. So spend the bucks on a lead burley cage, don't be afraid to spend three bucks at Kmart and buy one of those scale bags, that's Whiting scale bags I use. And you can chuck a Burley log in there. And I know you can buy them from a lot of servos. A lot of people these days make their own burly, So you can throw your log into the scale net chuck it over the side and give it a good shake and have an awesome burly trail, which is going to create your, your pelagic sharks to come to you, especially during the summer months. But in saying that, there's been numerous mako sharks caught outside the Port Phillip Bay Heads uh, in the past few weeks. Chris Vasileski got one around 60 kilo. I've seen three... Oh yeah, good fish. I've seen three during the week come out of the Port Phillip Bay Heads. I know Portland get quite a few this time of the year. Up the east coast of New South Wales, Burma and north, and even a little bit south, The shark fishing up there during the winter, they reckon you just jump from shark to shark. I did speak to a friend who's fishing up there at the moment. They were targeting uh, yellowfin and looking for bluefin, and they said that the sharks up there were everywhere. So winter fishing up there is a little bit different to down here, but it's well worth chucking a bait out this time of the year with a surface burley to see if you can land a pelagic, because like I said, I think it was three or four over the weekend. Does this come back to the tuna run, Patrick? Uh, Maybe they're following these tuna down with the bait
1: that they're following. So... I don't know. Good question. I think there's a fair chance they're going to be feeding on some, some tuna at distant stages. They're Especially fa- the jelly bean size. Fastest fish in the sea, of course. Um, just on the the burley, so you didn't, you never go into into store and buy like pallets and tuna roll, or if you're going to make your own, you know, how would you do it? Because yeah. I'm assuming you don't just go buy pallets and then just throw that yeah. in and think, oh, this will be great burley. It says burley on the uh, on the It's nice and clean. I'll just use that. I have blues with my old man about this all the time.
0: So – I, for burley, for me, in a lead cage, it's always pilchards and a little bit of tuna oil. That's what it is for me. For whiting fishing, for offshore gummy fishing, uh, uh, sorry, snapper fishing outside the heads when I drop the pot down to the bottom, it's always just uh, just purely pillies. When I'm buying burley logs, I try and buy them from somewhere I know. So if you go to your local tackle store, it might be a complete angler, whatever it is, have a chat to them. Ask what's in the burley, if it's relevant to yourself. A lot of people get their scraps from... Uh, now, this is, uh, for example, I don't want to bring anyone down, so I won't name names, but uh, not that I wasn't meaning to, but if you go buy a burly log that's been made, say, from a fishmonger, yep. but all that day, all they've used is uh, they've just done a day of cleaning freshwater trout. Yep. I don't see how that's going to come into effect when they put the burly logs together and they sell them to a petrol station, I don't see how that's going to be that beneficial for you on the day. You'd probably rather know that it's salmon, Australian salmon or trevally scraps. Well, you love or, the salmon scraps, Yeah, don't you? yeah yep. whatever it is, you'd rather a saltwater bloody species to have gone through that burly. So I'd be doing just a little chat to your local guy. It's not hard to talk to your local dealer, whether it's your your, your tackle store. I know a lot of petrol stations get them from uh, fishery places around the, around the state, so they put them together and they make uh, a burly log as such so it's, it's like a plastic... It's plastic around a log. It's literally the only way to explain it. And just make sure that you can have a chat to them and they've got the good stuff in it because they are, can be quite expensive, Pat, between 10 to 20 bucks at times, So depending on the size. So make sure you get what is relevant to the, what
1: you're actually targeting. Mark finishes, off, finishes us off, rather. Uh, Portland fishing besides tuna at the moment. Aaron, you've spoken about people heading down there chasing tuna and the, the boat ramp's pretty busy at the moment. Um, and I'm elaborating on this question um, for you, isn't this long, um, but what would you chase besides tuna if you were going to go to Portland? Oh, there's... You mentioned that off the top, there's great mako oh, fishing at the moment. Yeah,
0: you don't understand, like, Portland and Portland and heading down to Port MacDonald and places like that, the fishery is insane. And the bottom fishing down there, the gummy sharks, the school sharks, the nanagai, the snapper... Big King George whiting around the North Shore. There is so many options. So if you do get a blowout, say, for example, you head down there and you get a 15 to 20 knot blowout, you're in a little boat, you're not too comfortable, fishing around the headlands of North Shore there, you can land, not joking, regular 50-centimeter whiting. There's some beautiful whiting fishing down there, and a lot of local guys bag out most of the time. So it is a good place to target whiting. The pinky snapper right through to big snapper. I had a guy on Salt Guide, the other guy contact me about Tugging in a uh, gummy or a schoolie in the North Shore because it was a bit rough for them to head out. This is just after COVID. And he um, he said to me, he anchored up in the North Shore and ended up with a schoolie and a gummy inside the North Shore. So that's in quite a protected place of uh, area of water so don't be afraid to head down there and get your tuna one day or even half day on the barrels if you miss out or if you get one then jump onto the bottom fish because you can fill your freezer up and i'm all for filling the freezer up and sharing it with your family and friends because that's what we have i'd rather spend the money on fuel than go buy chicken and meat from the supermarket so head down there take your esky get yourself some seriously good fish and uh, bring it home and have a feed with your family and friends.
1: That wraps up the Social Club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you send it into our social media pages at Real Adventure Show on Twitter and Instagram, as well as, of course, Facebook. It's time for our dream boating destinations. Our dream boating destination for this week is Jervis Bay in New South Wales. It's an oceanic bay, uh, roughly 100 square kilometres, so it's it's bloody decent size, Redmond, mm. and it is one of the best fishing destinations in Australia. Um, fishing, diving, relaxing. There's actually a phenomenal pub there as well, the Husky Pub. We can chat about that later. I'm sure you would be able to order, <laughs> order a few... Uh, I'd never go there. ...a few Jamisons there. <laughs> and there's also some terrific whale watching at different stages. Um, but when it comes to the fishing, Redmond... Oh, you've got, like you said before, you can catch marlin, tuna, kingfish,
0: snapper, brim, morwong, flatted, and... It comes to the estuary fish in it's whale well, pat. You've got brim flatties, whiting, Taylor, Luderic, more salmon. You've got bonito that travel into the estuaries, trevally, you've got drummer fish, kingfish in there, and also the crab fishery is fantastic. So there is so many places, and you've got a few like fishing spots. you got Hyams Beach, which is well known. You've got the Huskins Wharf, which is a great family fishing spot. You've got the Currumbin Creek. So there's so many places I could keep going through. It, it is a destination that you need to go to if you do want to have a family holiday because there is such a family-based atmosphere there with all the jetties and the fishing that
1: you'll catch off the jetties. I was going to say, it's not just a fishery where you need your boat in order to really enjoy it. Obviously, it certainly helps because you can, um, you can fish the huge bay that it is you know over 100 square k's um but the land-based fishing is is just as exciting you know in many ways so that's why there's just so many different um you know avenues to get great fishing and take your family to different spots
0: and if you don't have a boat like you said you can always hire a charter and a couple of charters bay and basin sports fishing you have got simos afloat uh, charters as well but you can i don't want to take it away from Jarvis bay but just south Aladulla, fantastic place aladala not
1: far from jervis bay it's uh, the reason I'm saying this. You bring, I reckon, every time we talk about somewhere in New South Wales, you bring because, up Aladala. It's like, yep, that's 500k's <laughs> south well, of Aladala. It's not Ulladulla. quite. It's actually quite close here. It's not that far. It's only just south of it. So it's a uh,
0: yeah. Like I said, the whole you can't really talk bad about that whole part of the New South Wales can you? It just links into one another and the fishing just gets better and
1: better so make sure you head to Jervis Bay. Jervis Bay is our dream boating destination for this morning if you'd like more information on Jervis Bay head to www.australia.com Plenty more Real Adventures after the break On Real Adventures it's time to get all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for All Aboard. Thanks to the Dometic CIB 26 cooler bag. Keep food and drinks cool on your adventures. Our special guest this morning is Shimano Pro Angler, Bomber Farrell. Good morning, Bomber.
2: Morning, gentlemen. How are we?
0: We are definitely defrosting. Uh, How are you going up in your lazy, probably close to 30 degrees up there, and you're probably having a sook?
2: Yeah, having a sook at 30 nearly, Uh, yeah, in the Mm-hmm. so not a cloud in the sky. so good, otherwise.
1: <laughs> now, those that follow <laughs> Shimano, Bomber, you've just recently uh, finished off a bit of a how-to um, video with fishing for Barra in, qu- in creeks and drains. Um, t- uh, today, rather, we're going to focus on that. Now, you took the Shimano crew, obviously, up around Groot Island and, f- and focused on that area. Um, but when you are fishing creeks and drains in general. What are the things that you're looking for? Obviously, um, you've used your sounder a fair bit, the hummingbird, that was featured quite prominently in this Shimano Shimano video, and you can find this on Shimano's Instagram page or head to Bomber's page on Instagram as well. But talk us through what you look for when you do go into, um, you know, creeks and little tributaries.
2: Yeah, yeah, no worries, mate. Uh, well, I suppose a couple of things to look for, it depends on the time of the year and, like, we've, we're in the runoff when we were um, fishing um, over there. So in those creeks and, and drains, we're sort of looking for um, some, some cleaner water and then some colour change. So there could be some dirty water or some clean, clean water pushing out uh, is one thing. Uh, definitely something like that. Uh, bait. Bait's a good one to sort of see because, I mean, fish don't mind sort of hanging not too far from mackers. You know what I mean? They want to have a feed. Um, so if you see any bait, it's really good to sort of take note of that. If you see bait spooking, especially as you drive up the river is a really good one because you'll see bait just sort of scattering on the edges now and then, and that can be a good sign that, you know, you're seeing some, some bait around. Um, that's really important. Seeing snags uh, out of the water is good, but I'll tell you what, the side imaging is a godsend in those little creeks because nothing um, can hide anywhere at all, not only the fish but the structure. So definitely getting up there and, and finding something and then also then having a really, really good look at those at the structure to see if fish are holding on the structure. Now when you get to the drains and the intersections of the creeks and rivers and then having a really really good look around there because that's where bait gets confused and will hold up and it'll back eddy and in those back eddies is where a lot of the bait will hold along with the barrows in ambush.
1: So talk us through we've just arrived in Darwin you're going to fishing in the outdoor world um, or a local tackle store, everyone hears about the, the bomber lures that you use. Um, they're a really popular lure um, that uh, that anglers use up north, but it's not just the bomber lures that can be really effective on barramundi. What selection of lures you, would you recommend taking, um, you know, if you're looking to chase
2: a barramundi? Yeah, well, yeah, well, you're dead right. A lot of people do sort of just smell them. Um Familiarise themselves with using bomber lures and even barra classics. Um, you know, some ten-foot barra classics in the Guns and Roses colours. It's like everyone sort of owns those and they go barra fishing. That's great to have those those lures, like something that's buoyant, um, like those lures, so that when you are flicking into the snags, you can just like back it off and it floats up. That's really good. But also, um, in some some of the gutters, it's really good to use some soft plastics, and they're variable on little paddle tails. Um, the bio tufts is what we use when we're over there, little paddle tail soft plastic, only 100 mil long, even 75 mil long, because in the runoff, the the, the bait that's coming out will be really small, and you need to, like your trout fishing, you need to match the hatch to catch the catch, and i tell you what, it's really important to sort of, if little jelly prawns and shrimp are coming out, to sort of keep it the same size coming out of those gutters as well. variable size jig heads, so... Jig heads of different sizes to get down deeper into some of the gutters. If you're fishing a shallow gutter, you're going to hit the bottom really quickly, and you're going to be just tapping it through. But some of the other ones with a bit of current, you need to be able to pin it up inside, and you might need to use a one ounce jig head to get it down deeper, and then bring it bring those out. Um, you can also use vibes. Vibes do work really, really well. But uh, those people who who do use those are uh, soft vibes. You know they're pretty prickly, so you do get snagged up a lot. Um, so just be really cautious of where you're going to use those, those lures when you go into those systems as well.
1: Bomber, when it comes to retrieval, I've fished with you enough to know that you can't go slow enough when it comes to fishing for barrets. One of the, um, the things that people fall into, they think they need to rip it in as quick as they possibly can when they compare it to you know, fishing in the southern waters, but you often mm. talk about in the videos that you do just a slow retrieve.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, you're dead right, especially when you're using those hard-body lures. And also, just look, one with the with the lures is using suspending lures. Um, so those hard-body lures that do suspend in the water, pretty common with brim fishermen down south. Um, you can't go slow enough. It's um, a matter of just... Um, if only you could twitch forever and not retrieve, you know what I mean? It's just twitch, 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 twitch. And where... When you get the opportunity to watch a barra feed, if you ever get to see it in, in the, in clean water, which is very rare for barra to see that, it's that, that pause is when they just come over and they'll come up right near the lure and they'll just open their mouth and buff it. So that's why it's so important to not be excited and think you're trying to catch a wahoo or a queenfish on top water, but actually wind it that slow and twitch and just keep tapping the rod tip as if you were whacking it against um, the side of the boat, nearly to keep your lure. Twitch, take up the slack. Twitch, take up the slack. Twitch, take up the slack. Constantly through, little bit by little bit by little bit. Stay in the strike zone as long as you can where you think the barramundi is going to be holding up.
0: Bomber, I understand the importance when chasing fish right around the country, whatever it is, being at the right place at the right time. It's not luck. it's You make your own luck. And one of the things I want to ask you about is how to understand where to be at the right place for a barramundi. And it comes back to a drain. So drains, when Pat and I headed up early in the year, or actually end of last year was, uh, to we, we got told from a friend to target the drains, the runoff of the drains uh, to t- catch barramundi out of uh, South Mission Beach. So explain a drain how it works where you want to be and what and what you want to be doing to catch a fish most effectively
2: yeah okay so those creek, you know, the fish over there i mean there's some of those systems vary in size and and the creek can be like yeah, in that video that we where we filmed over there the mouth of that little creek that ran off that drain that ran out would be maybe about six meters seven meters wide anything like that that's so just, you want to be – I usually try to get adjacent to that and then start basically working really like a wagon wheel around with a hard body after you've had a look on the depth sounder and unless something really obvious stands out and you can really see a log or something there and holding fish, start with a hard body and start pe- bouncing around to start feeling out the bottom with a, with, with not a suspending lure. It's got a back up so you don't get snagged. So you can hit the bottom and come up and go, oh, okay, and you start feeling it out. You might end up sacrificing a few lures to find where those fish are holding. Now, when with the drains, it's also around the, the mouths of the rivers that you'll fish down the front, little tiniest snake drains, and I mean snake drains that are like a foot wide, the tiniest little gutter, um, fish those as well and get out from the, so a good cast away from the bank um, so you're out in the boat, or even if you are land based, you can even walk down, uh, just stay away from the edge a little bit of our croc, uh, and then just work those edges and downstream, and as I've, I've found more often than not, when the water is running out at low tide, it's running out and down, the bigger fish will hold further back down the gutter. So where the water comes out, five, six meters downstream, is sometimes where you'll, you'll pin, uh, and hook up to some of the bigger barrows. Because those bigger barrows will be eating the littler barrows, which are up really close to the mouth of that little tiny snake drain that could only be 50, 60 mil deep as it, as it slowly runs out, and it's just trickling out a few little baits that are holding up in the back there.
1: Perfect. Now, to finish this off, Bummer, if you had one rod and reel combo to fish with for the rest of your life for Barramundi, what would it be?
2: Uh, I would definitely, at the moment, 100% with the 200 crank. Uh, it's, um, it's just so tough, and for what we do up here, that's what we need. And uh, the five foot eight Salty, that new Salty rod, is an absolute cracker. In love with it, mate. Absolutely the best one I've used for a long,
1: long, 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 long time. Bomber Farrell, it. thank you for joining us this morning. Pro Anglet for Humminbird, Mercury, North Bank and Shimano, among others. Thanks for your time this morning, Bomber.
2: Anytime, my friend. Have a good one.
1: That was all aboard for Dometic, Dometic Mobile Living made easy. It's now time for Reg's review. Now, there's some exciting news, Redman. If you head to uh, Dometic's... There goes Bummer. If you head to Dometic's, if you head to Dometic's website, um, there's a whole new product range uh, of gear that has just launched. And one that I want to focus on uh, this morning is Dometic's PJS 118 portable jump starter. Now, we've spoken about these before, especially given the fact that people are starting to get back into their boats now. And this happened to us the other day, actually, with, with uh, the Stabycraft, Dad's Stabycraft he um, he left the electronics on because we were cleaning the screen he was cleaning the screen and then the next day he came back and the battery was was dead so the great thing about the PGS 118 it's powered by a lithium polymer technology which is perfect for jump starting uh, flat forward drives or car batteries but also clearly uh, boat batteries um, and you can also achieve this, uh, this peace of mind thanks to Um, the technology that sits in behind that. So it can jumpstart a four-wheel drive or car battery up to four-litre diesel or six-litre petrol engine. Um, You simply select your voltage using the push-button function. Uh, In addition to jumpstarting flat battery, it's also uh, perfect for charging small USB devices like mobile phones uh, when you're off the grid. Um, And all the systems come inbuilt in that. So... um, which includes sort of overloading, uh, over discharging, overheating, uh, reverse polarity, reverse charging, voltage stabilization. So it's all built in. So it's not going to destroy any of the actual um, mechanisms or phones um, that you're going to be using. I spoke to I was at fishing with Cameron
0: White last week, and we were sitting there. And we had the usually we run the pie warmer when we're travelling. And we're sitting there having a fish for gummies. We forgot to put the pie warmer on. And we're all cooking pizzas in it. And we forgot. And he goes, no, I don't run it. It might run my batteries down. And I said, no, you turn your start off and then have your house batteries on. Still in your own mind, you don't know if one of those batteries are on its way out. Never. You yeah. don't you just don't know. He's had the boat a couple of years now. It could have cooked itself one of them. You don't know. And in, I'm like, no, nah, we'll be right. We'll go for it because we'll shut one off and then we can run the parallel to jump it from one another. You just do not know. And he goes, I've got a jump pack at home that I should just have in the boat, shouldn't I? And this is small, compatible, and will just fit perfectly in the hu- in your boat basically anywhere, even the bag pat in the front of your boat if you're a little tinny. So it's not much to uh, have on the boat as in the way of space because of the size of it. But the convenience it's going to have when you rock up to a boat ramp and your battery's dead, or if you have your pie warmer running, it's going to make just
1: that little bit of difference, I think, and save your backside so you can catch a few fish. For more information on the Dometic PGS 118 portable jump starter, head to dometic.com.au. That's Red's review. Plenty more Real Adventures after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's tip. Red, you're focusing on the weekend ahead. So basically,
0: it's going to be a little bit on the windier side this week uh, due to the fact that we're coming off the moon now. It's a little bit of unsettled weather. But there are a few options you can still do. So Saturday, you've got a a big big wind, big northwesterly wind. Now, Pat, we speak about it with yourself all the time. The surf beaches. You can attend all the surf beaches along the Surf Coast, not just the Surf Coast. Right down from East Gippsland, right down to Whoop Whoop Land, down South Australia, further wherever you are, and you can go with this wind and catch some seriously good salmon offshore. And if anyone gets any, I'll text send me a message. I'll send you my address. You You're don't bar- bleed him. You drop him off to my You're place, barring. and I'll keep him for bait because <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't understand. They're as good a
1: bait as you could possibly. Oh, know,
0: you, I, and, I, and I can't get enough of them because I, I have none. I have had none for the past well, I'm going to include COVID, three, I'm going to get go four months. I've had no salmon and I can't catch any to save my life. So if anyone does get any in there listening, send me a message because I need some. But the surf coast, but not only that, if you do want to actually catch some good fish, make sure your fish going into dark. I spoke earlier how it's a little bit harder this time of the year in targeting, uh, basically getting out there while it's so cold. But heading down the beach, you'll actually find that it's quite warmer on a beach than it is on land because the dew doesn't set. And if you have got a little bit of northerly, which you do, it's going to be a little bit chilly with the northerly wind, but you're sitting behind the dunes, and quite often it blows over your head. Schoolies, gummies, snapper, right across the, across the beaches, you're going to catch. A little bit tough for the boat. If you are going to head out in the boat, you've got Sunday's Sunday, tomorrow's pretty good. You've got northwest around that 15 knots. So northwest along the, the west coast of uh, Port Phillip Bay, you can fish your whiting through there, no worries whatsoever. A little bit blowy to get offshore, But you'll be able to get a feed of fish if you're keen to get out. Portland-bound, barrel tuna-bound, yeah, a bit too much probably, but it is offshore if you are one of those super keen guys because I head out there in 20 knot winds quite often to escape the crowds and there are a few blokes out there targeting them. So if you are super keen, just be smart with, make sure you fish to your experience. Into the week ahead, we have some beautiful weather coming. Well, I don't know about weather because I don't look at that, but I look at the wind. There's some beautiful wind coming too, so you've got some light Northerly's coming, so if you can work the weekend and take a few days off during the week, that's what I'd be doing. We're off the moon now. Tides are good, fishing's good. You've got barrel tuna. You've got East Gippsland fishing really, really well in the in the creeks. Um, also. That's for the freshwater. You've also got the rivers and estuaries fishing really well for your brim. And the golden tag is still going as well if you do want to get away for a couple of days. And you can also do that during, during
1: white is windy. But that there is Red's tip for this week. Beautiful work, Redman. To finish off, we have the flying gaff. And I'm gaffing anyone or the enormous number of people that were chasing spider crabs uh, over the weekend, Redman. Now, it's really important that we still abide as best as we can via the, the social distancing guidelines because we don't want a regression um, in the number of outbreaks that we've had. It's really important for all fishos um, that we stay by them as much as possible because the last thing we want is to be um, stopped from fishing and heading out and doing the things that we love because we've seen previously that one of the first things that's, that's been stopped is golf and fishing mm. redmond. So for all those out there, let's make sure we're doing it properly looking after each other and catching a feed of fish. That being said, that's Real Adventures, and we'll see you next week.
0: You're going to train it, and I'm going fishing. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Tyre Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.